All right. Well, welcome to another expert interview. Really excited to have a good friend of mine and one of the guys who's a power networker. Uh, Keenan Poland's on with us today. Keenan, thanks for taking time, man. I know you're in the grind coming up to the Barracuda. So let's jump straight in, man. Let everyone know who you are and what you do. Thanks for having me, Devin. Excited to be on with you. Uh, my name is Keenan Poland. I'm the director of sales for the Barracuda Championship, which is the PGA Tour event uh, in Truckee, California. It was hosted in Reno for about 21 years, and we made the move up to Old Greenwood and Truckee in 2020. So excited for a fairly normal year this year with uh, hospitality tents, pro-am, and, and spectators to, to actually enjoy the, the course this year in the tournament. I'm excited, man. I, I know we didn't get a chance to get out there last year, so it's, it's going to be nice to get up there and see the venue. It looks great on TV, and having played it, I know it's, it's going to be super fun for spectators. Yeah, uh, course is, is getting into shape, and uh, we're just excited to, to move away from the made-for-TV event that was last year. Uh, all four rounds will still be broadcast on the Golf Channel, but uh, really excited for, uh, for people to be able to get up on site. Awesome, man. Well, let's talk trends. I always love to ask the question, you know, what's trending in your industry? Uh, what's something maybe people are going to hear about or something that's going on in your space? Yeah, I think uh, sports as a whole, uh, technology is really starting to trend, um, whether that's, you know, um, contactless payments and ticketing. Um, we're going all digital with our tickets and parking passes this year. Um, you know, more and more um, sports and, and on the team side are, are using tech and analytics to really dive into uh, the numbers and, and try and create a competitive advantage for, for them in their respective sports. Um, and then on the, the sports business side, you know, there, there's more and more tools that are available to us um, each and every day to help us grow our respective businesses. So I think that's one of, of the biggest trends that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep track of and, and trying to implement uh, where it could be helpful for us. That's awesome. And tech is definitely something that's such a moving target and the speed of, of adoption right now is so fast. So it's great to hear that's happening in your space. And I mean, you have so many dynamics to an event the size of the Barracuda, right? Because there's there's ticketing and there's sponsors and there's volunteers and there's staff and there's pros. I mean, there's just so many moving pieces. So it's going to be really cool to see how you feel the impact of tech. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just, uh, you know, from a communication standpoint, how we're delivering messages and, and staying in touch with all those different people you just mentioned, um, tech allows us to do that um, easier and, and, you know, more effectively as well. Sweet. Let's talk, let's talk about marketing, right? So, or, or just leveraging. So the, the conversation I wanted to have, and there's so many ways we can go, especially with your background and experience, but if we look at an event like the Barracuda, what are the various ways that a business could take advantage of an event and, and use it to their benefit? Yeah, I, I like to break it down into three buckets, really. So hospitality, pro-am, and then your traditional, you know, branding marketing that, that people really think of when, when the, you, the word sponsorship is used. So um, hospitality is, is all about entertainment, engagement, uh, appreciation. So whether that's, you know, taking, taking customers, taking prospects, taking key team, team members out to the event and, and providing them with a, you know, pretty um, robust um, 
opportunity, you know, from an, and a streamlined opportunity from an entertainment standpoint. So all inclusive uh, food, beverage, parking, we, we'd like to make it really easy for companies to take those important guests out to the tournament and provide them a really high end experience. Um, I think we've done a great job over the past, let's say six or seven years on the food and beverage side, partnering with uh, local celebrity chef Mark Esty and his team. Uh, they take over the catering for, for all of our hospitality venues, uh, including the players, the caddies, uh, of course, sponsors, volunteers, et cetera. Um, but they've also uh, took over the ownership of our concessions as well. So instead of going and getting that, you know, kind of traditional uh, stadium food, uh, hot dog, hamburger, beer, Mark and his team really um, up the, the level and the quality of food. So even if it is a, a burger, it's, it's not your, you know, low end burger, it's, it's that high end. And um, I think they've done a really good job and that just helps us sell a better experience. Uh, then the Pro-Am um, is, is really kind of a bucket list type of item. Um, the ability to play golf with a PGA Tour Pro the day before competition starts on the, the golf course um, that these guys are going to be going out and, and trying to, to battle through four days of and, and ultimately take home the, the trophy. Um, that's just one of those once in a lifetime type of experiences. So that's where we really see, you know, uh, law firms, uh, wealth management advisors, um, the casinos, uh, if, if you have, you know, two to three really, really important customers or prospects, uh, the Pro-Am provides that, you know, kind of once in a lifetime experience and, and ultimately, you know, four to five hours of FaceTime, not only with them, but with a pro as well. So um, I always try to link it back to, you know, think, think about having the opportunity to shoot free throws on the court with Steph Curry before a game or, uh, you know, run a run a five yard slant and catch a pass from Tom Brady or Russell Wilson on the field before a game like it's just not possible. Right. So um, that pro-am is is uh, just an amazing experience and, and pretty much the, the PGA Tour, you know, LPGA as well are, are the only opportunities to get out and play golf on the course like that. Um, and then, you know, branding, marketing, uh, you know, creating uh brand affiliation with the Barracuda Championship and the PGA Tour as well, um, trying to, to leverage um, your brand and, and highlight, you know, product, service, et cetera, um, with a brand of, of that stature. Um, you know, the, the research shows that people aren't walking around wearing, uh, you know, radio station, TV station shirts. They're wearing you know, sports team, apparel, brands, and when uh, companies sponsor events like that and put their brand out in front of fans, uh, there's more affinity to go and use that brand, buy their products, and, and become, you know, long-term customers. So we try to get really creative in that space. Uh, we custom curate all of our packages, especially on the, the marketing side. Um, and digital marketing's became become a huge piece of that as well. You know, trying to leverage social and maybe tie in some influencer marketing, and and just gives us the opportunity to to reach even more people than you would traditionally with you know a sign 
on the golf course during tournament week. That's awesome. And I, and I love the three buckets because I think that applies to more than just your sport. Um, maybe the pro-am shifts slightly to a different bucket, but it's nice to be able to break it down and look like understand there's different ways you can get involved. Um, some questions and things I know I've heard over the years and in, in being a partner and have done stuff with you. What if the people I'm trying to bring out don't like golf? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one I hear um, on a weekly basis, if, if not more. Uh, really back to that food and beverage and the, just the overall experience. We're trying to, to create an atmosphere where even if you could care less about the golf, you could have your back turned to, to golf all day. It's more about um, being outside or being in a very cool, unique venue, um, having great F&B options and then the social side of it right whether you're going out with uh with a customer with a prospect you're getting hours of FaceTime with them really good opportunity to build relationships and then there's just several networking opportunities throughout our different hospitality venues um that, that give you that chance to still take advantage of uh the pga tour and in the barracuda championship without necessarily having to worry about the golf side of it I love that. And it is a setup question, right? But it is something I dealt with too. You know, we kind of some background on, you know, I held a seminar before the Barracuda, not last year, but the year before and did some great education two days of the event. And then I took those people out. I think we had 25 people a day or something like that. And um, I would say half of them aren't golf fans at all. Right. And I got tons of questions with like, why would I go and, you know, whatever. And I said, well, that's the reason you come, right? Cause you're never going to buy a ticket to experience it yourself. I'll take care of it. You come experience it and you'll experience something different, right? And the food and beverage is next level. It's all you can eat. It's all you can drink, right? The, the views are phenomenal. These golf courses are immaculate. And even if you don't love golf, man, these guys are doing stuff with the ball this big that you've never seen. Like, they, I mean, they're hitting some crazy shots. And that was the feedback. You know, I had people personally tell me like I, that going to that got them into the sport, which is great. Like pick up some clubs and go play. Um, and then I have people just say like, yeah, I could see this. Like I would come back to this because I appreciate it. So I encourage you guys not to be discouraged there. No matter, again, no matter what the sport is, right? If you don't like basketball, it doesn't matter. The experience is what you're creating, right? Same thing with baseball. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but getting a suite and entertaining people at a baseball game is phenomenal. And it has a lasting impact. And I do enjoy the game. I enjoy the food. I enjoy the yelling and screaming, but it may not be something I'm going to sit down and go to, you know, I'm not going to go to 40 games, right? Yeah, great points across the board. Um, I think, you know, when when you brought clients out like that, it really allows us to get in front of new people and show them the experience isn't all about golf, really. We're trying to create, again, business networking, social opportunities around uh, around the game of golf. It just happens to be on, on a beautiful golf course during a PGA Tour event. Um, and there's, you know, there's pros to to just going to a baseball game and having a hot dog and a beer and being outside in a cool setting and you could care less about the game but again it's it's about the experience and really trying to uh just just take that in and and have fun and if you can enjoy yourself and and uh your you know your guests are enjoying themselves during that experience then it all uh it all works out and it's all positive yeah. And you're creating memories. Right. And, yep. and that's, 
that's what we want, right? Stories are memorable. So if you're selling, we always love to tell stories because people remember the story. And if you're going to create an experience, make it freaking memorable because they're going to remember it and they're going to talk about it, right? So you can create raving fans and advocates by creating awesome experiences. And the Barracudas in any PGA event is a great way to do that. So that's something I want you guys to consider if you're looking at you know, entertainment options and how to elevate either your relationship with your team or relationship with vendors or relationship with key clients. Yeah. hundred percent. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. I loved your, <laughs> going to your second bucket, man. I love that conversation on the pro-am. I think you put that post up yesterday on LinkedIn that was given that analogy. I was hoping you would give it because I thought that was awesome. Like, yes, it, it gets me excited to think about like, oh, I want to go shoot free throws with Steph. And it's like, yeah, the, there's not an avenue for that, <laughs> let alone at every event. So being able to go out and play with professionals on a professional course and experience what they're experiencing, I think is next level and super phenomenal. And it's something that, you know, I think the PGA and LPGA does a really good job of creating experiences like that, that you're not going to get in any other sport. So that's, it's awesome that they create that experience. So good job on that. And, and yeah, I guess we're not shooting free throws with Steph. So I love, I love the pro-am bucket and just kind of the levers there. And then the third bucket, you know, I think just brand recognition. Um, what are some interesting statistics? I know you guys have like a crazy amount of, of viewers and a pretty large amount of people who come out. And, and I mean, it's, it's not, it, it was bigger than I thought. So could you talk about what that looks like from an impression standpoint? Yeah. So Golf Channel Broadcast is, uh, it hits over 220 countries and in over a billion households worldwide. Um, so, you know, those numbers right there are massive. Um, over the past four tournaments, uh, excluding 2020, we've averaged about 37,000 fans throughout tournament week. Um, and the majority of those are, are Thursday through Sunday, you know, during competition. Um, but really, you know, diving into the analytics of, of the digital marketing um, trends we've seen over the past couple of years, you know, we're looking at uh, an example, Ide Bailey, they, they sponsor our uh, player commitment posts. So, you know, 30, 40 days out, we start to get a, a better feel um, of what players are going to be um, playing in the event. And so we start to post those, you know, high, higher level, um, more popular players on social media. And John Daly's post in 2019 had, you know, over 100,000 impressions, engagements, um, maybe not engagements, but impressions total. And like, it was, you know, one of our highest performing posts um, throughout the entire year. So just one example of how, you know, using social media and, and getting brands in front of our followers um, and, and to, you know, followers of followers just creates a lot of momentum there. Um, and to your point earlier, it's, it's telling a story too. It's not just, hey, this is our sponsor. This is a logo. Like we like to get really creative and, and find unique ways to tie our partners in to, different campaigns. Um, 
you know, last year we had a, a pretty fun um, campaign with Tahoe Mountain Realty and the old Greenwood fractional ownership group where it was focused on moving day. So it's a real estate company. They're trying to, you know, showcase the, the homes that are available on property and moving day in golf is, is known um, as Saturday of the tournament when guys are really trying to position themselves to uh, win the event on Sunday. So there's guys moving up and down the leaderboard. And so we did a full day, you know, social takeover essentially that was all around moving day and guys that were, you know, playing really well that day. So again, just kind of a fun, creative way to, to tie those companies in. And then, you know, one thing I haven't talked about yet, which, you know, arguably is the most important thing is at the end of the day, we're a nonprofit. Uh, the Reno Tahoe Open Foundations, who I work for, it's who my teammates work for, we're the ones that, that operate the event. And over the, the 22 years of the tournament so far, we've donated over $4.6 million to charity. Um, and our, our proceeds go back into the community. So at the end of the day, um, finding companies that, you know, really want to support the community, want to use cause marketing and, um, you know, support different charities uh, locally and regionally. Those are other opportunities for us to, to partner and, and create some, some, uh, some fun ways to both get the company's brand out in front of people, but also um, showcase a nonprofit and all the great work they're doing in the community. Good stuff, man. I, I love the creative aspect and I was going to actually talk about that. So thank you for going there without me having to ask, you know, I think that so often when we think about sponsoring or spending money, um, I guess maybe we feel like it's going to, you know, buy some fast food and it is what it is, but like, it's not like as a business, if you know who your demographic is, you know, your client, you know, your cost of acquisition, what I have found with sports, um, over the years and working with Keenan at a couple of different places is like, we can talk, like we can get creative because at the end of the day, it doesn't do any good for the sports venue or sports event to sell a sponsorship that's not going to have a return on investment for the business. So if you're a business owner and you're considering this kind of investment, whether it's a ballpark, whether it's the Barracuda, whether it's a stadium, I think it's really important that you understand you have the freedom to get creative, right? But you have to understand your return on investment. You have to understand your target audience. If you understand these things, then you can come to Keenan or any guys in the industry and say, hey, Here's what I'm trying to reach. Here's my understanding of my cost to acquire a client or a lead. And here's what I'm trying to do. And then let their team get creative. That I Bailey one, man, they stood out so big for me because I saw those announcements and everybody wants to know who's playing. So it was cool because you're, you're organically consuming their brand in a way that's very positive. And, you know, I can't emphasize enough guys, like make sure you get creative. And I know Keenan could give example after example of, you know, the value of getting creative when it comes to sponsorships. Yeah. I'd Bailey is a good example because people are starting now to look for that. I think this will be our third year uh, in our partnership with them. And now it's like, okay, four to six weeks before the tournament, we're looking for those I'd Bailey player commitments um, and try to switch up the graphics and the visuals each year too, to, you know, make sure that it's, it's uh, attracting likes and engagement. Um, I think, uh, you know, to add on to the ROI portion too, return on objective is a, is a huge thing that more companies need to look at. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, most of the time we can't guarantee that, you know, by having 
you know, a social media campaign or logo on a, on a signage at the golf course is going to result in X dollars. But if your objective is purely brand awareness, let's get creative and find ways to, to get your brand in front of more people. Um, if it is to, you know, drive sales and we need to have some type of, you know, traffic driving elements, some, some type of call to action to make sure that our partners are, um, you know, responding in a way that's, that's going to put you in a position to sell your product or service. Um, and then there was one other point that, you know, you had mentioned, um, you know, I, I get it. Like we play in a dozen charity golf scrambles a year, right? They have a sponsorship deck that's, here's a presenting uh, sponsor. Here's a whole sponsorship. This is what you get. It's X amount. Like, I understand that nonprofits have a lot on their plate. That's an easy way for them to go out, generate some revenue, tell their story. Uh, but with professional sports teams and leagues, uh, you, you responding to an email or a call and just saying, hey, yeah, send me what you got. That's kind of like uh, a financial advisor, um, you know, you saying, yeah, just send me what you got. Well, how much money do you make a year? How much do you have in savings? What's your, you know, current investment strategy like? Um, so, you know, we kind of always try to equate it, not to say that, you know, sports partnerships are the same level as, as a, a doctor patient relationship, not nearly as important there, but, um, you know, we're, we're trying to understand uh, your business, understand what your, you know, goals, needs, and wants are, and then we can, you know, put together, we can prescribe a, uh, a solution for whatever those, those problems, whatever those goals are. I love that, man. And, and, and speaking of money, because you brought that up, I think that's another thing is, is, you know, if we talk about sports and we talk about stadiums, like, oh, it's so expensive, but there's so many options whether it's just buying some tickets for a day and taking people out and, and just participating all the way up to, yeah, I want to be the title sponsor and I want to have a long-term commitment and brand recognition year over year. So I think, you know, my advice there is like, it doesn't really matter what your budget is, but be open and honest with whoever you're talking to about, Hey, here's my budget. Here's what I'm thinking. And then be open to some feedback on, okay, well with that budget, here's where you're going to have the most impact. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it's really, at the end of the day, a waste of time for both parties if there's not that transparency up front. Um, but to your point, you know, we have grounds tickets, uh, you know, in the, the $50 range. Um, and we have partners, uh, you know, outside of title spending six figures plus. So there's a, a huge range there in um, budget size. And, you know, obviously it comes with different types of activations and different access depending on where you're at. Um, but, you know, part of our job is to, to understand where that business is at and how we can create something that, that's a fit for them. Perfect. Let's talk about um, just, I, I know you have a really good understanding of sports in general when it comes to marketing. So maybe let's pan out just a tad, you know, in the Reno market, we've got the aces and, college and who else am I missing? We used to have basketball. I guess, I guess we're, we've limited our sports intake. <laughs> yeah. Aces, uh, Nevada athletics, you know, the, the three majors, baseball, basketball, and football, 
um, there, but yeah, unfortunately lost 1868 FC. We lost the big horns. Um, so kind of, <laughs> kind of the gist for now. I mean, there, there's a ton of special events in, in Reno though, as well, that some overlap with sports, some don't, but you know, it's, it's definitely a, a special event driven area. For sure. And I think that if we look at, you know, when the Bighorns were here, I know that's how we met. Um, I think a lot of the stuff we've talked about as far as price point, leveraging events, brand recognition, taking people out, like I said, the buckets except the pro-am part, but all the same stuff applies, right? You guys can take a lot of the, this conversation we're having around this one particular event, which just happens to be what Keenan's promoting and where he works, but you can apply this knowledge to all those buying decisions you guys are making in your market with your local sports teams or even the college, right? The college has some really good ways that you can get impressions, but you need to think through it the same way and also take some of the same advice. Like what's your budget? How creative do you want to get? What's your impact? Again, what's your return on objective? So I love all that info. I just want to make sure people understand like all this applies everywhere. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, the, the aces and Nevada athletics do a really good job as well. Um, you know, we, we might have some different products and assets and things like that, but you know, it's, we, we try to, uh, help each other, you know, internally in such a small sports market and make sure that, you know, we're kind of sharing best practices and industry trends and things like that. So, um, say they they all do a good job we just provide some different experiences with you know uh from from baseball to, to football to basketball to golf yeah and different demographics will resonate differently and you know it's it's awesome and, it, and you know i can't i can't advocate enough right i know we did an roi breakdown of the investment i made two years ago and you know yeah i made a, a decent investment i was you know working a corporate job with a large company and, you know, we invested, I want to say it was about 20 grand and we, you know, we impacted 25 people, particularly on two days, 25 people on each day over the weekend. So we had a hundred person touch and we ended up generating 12 leads and I closed my biggest account ever from that event. So I'm not going to guarantee that's your results, right? We worked the hell out of the event. We did a lot of relationship building. We did a ton of follow-up, but by creating this unique experience where we had a lot of time to get deep into conversation, that's what really made a difference. And I think that's where golf is such a unique venue because it is a day long activity, right? You have a longer period of time to get into these conversations. Whereas when I would take people to the basketball game, I mean, basketball is intense. And if you're sitting courtside, which is a great place to sit, you damn sure better be watching, right? <laughs> or you're gonna wear your beer, right? So like yep. you have to pay attention. So again, that's great. You're gonna remember that it's epic when the guy lands on you and you know, it's, it's, it's awesome, but you're not gonna have that in-depth conversation that you can have when watching golf because you have so much time during the day to walk and mingle and experience the event. And I think that's something you need to consider when spending money on like tickets or experience is what kind of conversation are you gonna be able to have and if you're not going to be able to have that in-depth experience at the venue, make sure you pad it, right? So have some food experience before or have like a, a wrap-up event after, do something a little creative because the experience is good. But at the end of the day, if we're taking clients, prospects, or team members out, we want to have relationship building too. Yeah, definitely. And I think you you did a really good job having some, you know, training and, and kind of a more um, business touch point right off the bat. And then you're taking those people out where they can kind of be more relaxed, eat, drink, enjoy the day. 
Um, so yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll wait for you to get that case study over to me and uh, I'll start sharing <laughs> it with more of our partners, but it's you know, there, there's, um, there, there's a handful of partners that, you know, whether they have one big, um, event for, for a day at the tournament, or they're out there for multiple days, um, you know, just, just using, uh, that opportunity for touch points with, with customers, prospects, team members, you know, for four to six weeks out where, you know, save the dates and kind of an initial, Hey, we're going to have, you know, tickets available. would love to have you come on, you know, Thursday, a tournament, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then there's, you know, two more weeks it's, Hey, are you in? RSVP and then follow up information about how to get their tickets. Here's parking pass uh, information. You know, all those touch points just allow you to have a reason to reach out to your customers, your prospects, your team members, whomever. Um, and it's, it's not salesy. It's not, um, you know, trying to push them to a decision other than, hey, do you want to go eat, drink, and watch golf all day? Sounds like a pretty easy yes to me. <laughs> well, and you bring up a good point though, right? It, it's kind of like all marketing efforts. Like you got to work the effort, right? Like whatever you put in is what you're going to get out of it. You can't just spend the money and hope it works, right? Like you've got to make sure that there's a plan, a formula, there's touch points, you have a follow-up process. Um, you know, we see it like using the billboard example, right? You're going to go buy a billboard. Okay, great. But where are you driving the traffic? What's the traffic going to do? If they see your brand, what's the messaging? Like it's very similar in any marketing dollar, but if you're going to spend money on an event and experience, make sure that you have touch points after to make sure that you're furthering the relationship, you know, make sure that prior to, to Keenan's point, especially if you're buying tickets, like you get, you got to market the tickets because you have to make sure it, it fits people's schedule that they can get there. So make sure you use all the tickets you buy. Cause that's the worst experience is you have these awesome tickets, but you didn't do a good job pre-marketing to make sure that you're actually using them. Yeah. Great point. We try to, you know, help with onboarding and making sure, especially new partners kind of understand um, what those best practices are and what, you know, past current partners do really well to make sure that they're getting um, the, the biggest return out of, you know, whatever their investment is. Let's talk about excitement, right? So I think that this is something, even going back to the Bitcoins, we could definitely reference, you know, I think that if you're in a big market, there's big opportunities, right? If you're, if you're now, if you're in Vegas, right, you've got the Raiders, right? Cool, great, big. If you're in a submarket like us, like there's not as many big opportunities maybe to get and watch big name brands. However, however, it's the opportunity to like see them before they break loose. And I know at the Bighorns, there were a couple of guys that came through that like were awesome and became really good players. And I mean, I think that the Barracuda has one of the coolest stories recently about a player that you could have watched, you could have walked the course with him, watching him play. And then he goes on to win the championship, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, Colin Morikawa, 2019 uh, champion at the Barracuda championship goes on to win the 2020 PGA championship uh, has, has really put himself on track to be a superstar in golf. And it was, uh, I believe his sixth uh, professional start in 2019 at the Barracuda goes on to win. And to your point, you know, you could have been feet away from him. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that were there that day that have then watched him rise to that stardom. So um, because we are an alternate event, meaning there's another PGA Tour event 
uh, going on the same week uh, as us, you know, we're getting a lot of those up and coming players that are going to be your future stars. And then some guys that, um, you know, are a little bit older in their careers, your, you know, John Daly, Podrick Harrington, David Duvall's um, that have all been here multiple times. So um, it's kind of the, the best of both worlds in that, like probably never going to see Tiger here, but uh, you're, you're going to see, you know, pretty much 51 on are the best players in the world. And uh, Gary Woodland's another great uh, story. He won in 2012, I believe here in Reno, and then went on to win the 20, uh, 2019 U.S. Open. So um, those are the stories at the end of the day and the, the memories that, that, you know, you could potentially have from, from coming out and supporting the event. Yeah, and, I want to, and that's why I wanted to share that, because I don't want people to be discouraged at, you know, whether it's an alternative event, whether it's a smaller market, or even your college teams, man, at all, especially in professional sports, a lot of those guys go through college, right? So you're going to have an opportunity to see cool people, but at the end of the day, it's the memories, right? But I love that call-in one, and that was such a cool experience, and then, you know, some of the follow-up you guys have done with with some of your your key people and in, in creating some more access points and opportunity was great. So I just I wanted people to hear that. Yeah, I think uh, you know past champions are are always kind of proud to to go back and support and interact with you know those tournaments and their their sponsors and supporters. Um, but the first win, you know, it, it just puts it on a different level. So we're. We're rooting for Colin this week uh, down in Torrey at the U.S. Open. He's paired with Brooks Kepka and Justin Thomas. I mean, that's just, you know, the, the storytelling there is it's it's hard for us to believe, like, how uh, how fast that rise has been for him. That's awesome. Well, let's go ahead and pivot out of sports. I'm sure we could dive in more, and I, I'm, we'll probably have some more conversations. I'd love to do just a marketing roundtable, bring you back for that, because I know you have some great insight there. Um, I'd love to talk uh, sports careers real quick, just get some insight there. You've, you've worked for two sports teams, right? And you've moved up in, in one of them. Awesome story, right? It was cool to watch you grow there and, you know, end up running the team. What's a word of advice you would have to someone who's interested in getting into the business world of sports? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something we talk about all the time, regardless of what industry you're in, it's it's networking, like you have to be able to go out and build relationships with people in the industry outside the industry. But if you're looking to get started in sports, it comes down to like, who do you know, how can how can you get that foot in the door, you might start off in a very, you know, low paying, uh, high hour per, per week job. But if your dream is to work in sports, um, it's a, it's a high demand industry and that's the best way to get in is to, you know, start networking. If you're in college now, start networking, um, reach out to, to different, um, you know, teams, leagues, et cetera, and trying to build some relationships now. So when you are ready for that first job, uh, out of college, then, you know, you already have some contacts and people that can give you, you know, further advice, uh, guy reached out uh via email a few days ago asking if we had internship opportunities um it's from the midwest and uh we do have uh, a couple open this year and pretty sure that he's going to be getting an internship just by you know trying to trying to be proactive and and meet people early in that process 
such good advice. And thank you for applying that to everything, right? Because it's something I advocate for a lot is one, you don't know if that's an industry you really want to go in, right? You need to have conversations, you need to experience it. Internships are, are so valuable because it gives you real insight. Like, is this really the industry you want to work in? Is this the type of environment? What's it look and feel like? And and your other point there is so important is you don't know unless you ask. Like, so don't be scared. Net networking, most of the time, no one's going to be harsh and yell at you for reaching out to ask, <laughs> right? So like, get that out of your mind and just like, be okay with it. Be okay just reaching out and saying, hey, who do you know? I I'm interested in this industry. I'd love to, you know, have coffee, have lunch or intern or volunteer time or whatever I've got to do to get around it and get some knowledge. Like if you're willing to give that and, and be transparent, I think you'll see a lot of doors open, but you got to ask. Yeah. And I think uh, there's more people who are going to ignore you than reply rudely. So just make sure that you're, you know, you have a big list and you're reaching out to a lot of people. Um, there's a couple of tools specifically for, you know, sports careers now too, that I'd recommend checking out. Uh, the clubhouse is one uh, essentially matches up uh, people looking to get in the sports industry or, or, you know, college kids with mentors that are already in the industry. Um, you can schedule 30 minute calls. Um, I've probably had three or four of those over the past couple of months. And to your point, you know, it's, it's kind of fire away with whatever questions you have. And, um, I think it's all about honest feedback. And again, you already have a couple connections in whatever that respective sport is. That's awesome. So let's talk about the, the big subject, man. I know that, you know, I, I love referring you to people, one, because you're so value focused in every relationship, but I mean, you're, you're an amazing networker and a great relationship builder, right? I've always appreciated that about you and how you approach relationships. Um, when it comes to networking and sales, you know, what's your philosophy and, you know, what's, what's your kind of word of advice there when it comes to networking and sales? So <laughs> all right, we'll re-record that part. Uh, right. So when it comes to networking and sales, um, you know, what's your advice? I know you're you're a power networker, amazing relationship builder, always value driven. But why is that work for you, or what's your philosophy that's gotten you to have you know really good sales success and, and great network? Um, I think first it's just like being genuinely interested in people and and wanting to connect. Um, and then with the goal of, of trying to help them if possible, uh, whether that's, you know, for me now through the Barracuda championship or on a personal level, um, I think the, the most value I can bring to somebody is just asking that question and then trying to help connect them with, you know, different people, resources, ideas, et cetera. Um, so that's kind of what I always lead with is just, you know, be open to meeting pretty much everyone, uh, regardless of, you know, what they do or, or what their interests are, because you never know um, if at the very least you're going to find a new friend, um, referral partner, and, you know, customers that, that come out of simply, simply networking and taking coffee meetings or just uh, cream on top. Love that. You know, and, and that's where, when I think about, I mean, we met at what, it was a BNI networking event in 2013, 2012. <laughs> like right. yeah that time was, frame yeah it was a while back you know but but that was just a, a conversation at a networking event and then lots of nurturing later you know we've done business a variety of ways we've done businesses together a variety of ways 
and I think that's, again, I always have appreciated that about you is when I watch you meet with people, when I see the feedback, when I see how you make referrals, you're always selfless and you're always driving value, right? I think that's the big takeaway I want people to understand is if your intent is to go into every networking meeting or every meeting to sell something, your results are going to be garbage, right? They just are. If your intent is to go in and to be genuinely curious and ask good questions and, and be a listener and look for ways to drive value, no matter what value looks like, you're going to sell more and you're going to have a much, much better network. Yeah. I think people are just going to respect you more for, you know, not being that hard seller. Like we all see the people at the networking event that have a stack of 20 cards and their goal is uh, to, to distribute those as quickly as possible. But it's like, what's, you know, what, what's the follow-up? What's the value there? Um, you know, our, our initial meeting, uh, in an event led to, to coffee and then, you know, the, the rest is history. But I think if more people take that approach with, Hey, it'd be cool to meet, you know, a couple people at this, this networking event, have a genuine real conversation. And then we get coffee lunch afterwards and find out ways to help each other, support each other. It's going to go a long, lot longer than just, you know, purely going spewing your sales pitch and getting out of there. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate that advice. And, and I always appreciate your introductions. And again, just how selfless you are when it comes to networking and driving value. You're, you're great at that. And my encouragement to anyone on here is like, if you, if you want to elevate your sales, if you want to elevate your relationship building, you know, setting up a meeting with Keenan and truly understanding how he does that meeting from how he books it with you to how he follows up with you, like you've got to pay attention because there's a lot of lessons in there. Um, and I think you'll learn a lot about the sales process and relationship building. Uh, so with that, uh, below this video, you guys will see links for ways to connect with Keenan. Um, there'll be a click here button that click here, will open up a form. You can put your name and email in, write a message. Um, I know Keenan per what he just said, you know, he's always open to meeting new people. Um, my reminder on encouragement there is pay attention to how he does it, how he asks questions, how he books the meeting with you, how he follows up. There's a lot to learn there. And I think that there's a lot of value just in paying attention to the process. Um, and other than that, man, I always appreciate our conversations. I appreciate our time and I appreciate everything you do for our friendship and for the community. So thank you, brother. And I look forward to the next one. Thank you, man. Love what you're doing here. And uh, I, I think I, I learned a lot of that from you. So <laughs> appreciate the love and guidance there. Thanks, man. Talk soon. All right. Bye.